Well, listen, I I need to I need to ask you. Sure. You you know I appreciate you, right? Of course. You well, know I, I think admi- so. I, that I admire you, that I I respect you, that I consider you a friend. Right. And that anytime I razz you, it's <laughs> it's all in good like all in good fun and never ever ever actually like in a malicious way, right? Of course. Okay, good. Haven't gotten that out of the way. Dude, <laughs> when I get COVID, I record the podcast. And last week, you're like, well, I'm not feeling well. And I don't know if I could make the podcast because my voice doesn't sound normal. And I'm like, bitch, I've literally been on the brink of death. And I like pull myself out of bed to record the podcast. Anyways, how you feeling? None of what you're saying is false. <laughs> I how will say... I am I'm like 80% there. Good. I I'm say I'm telling you my voice sounded different. Like Yeah. Not like and it was also this, but like it was the normal when you're sick and your voice cracks and you're not sure when it's going to go when you're mid-sentence and you sound like a 12-year-old going through puberty. Yeah. But like other than the ups and downs, it just sounded so different. Like I sounded like a few tones lower like i mm. sounded like you know like an old like in a jazz band you're in like a you know barbershop quartet the guy who hits all the low the low yeah, notes yeah yeah yeah, yeah the, and the baritone like it was, it, is. it was like yeah it was like super unrecognizable i had someone approach me being like you need to like moonlight as a an audiobook person who reads like those smut novels and um i didn't but uh, yeah, no, it was a rough week. Uh-huh. The whole family had it. Um, there were times where we all kind of took turns at our worst, where like one individual in the family would be like incapacitated and couldn't do much, and then it was the next person's turn. And so, like, we were never all feeling great, but we were all never at our lowest at the same time. So, I mean, you gotta count your blessings where you can. But yeah, I am, I am on the mend, and I am, I am back. I am here to talk film, and I am here to have a good time. You know, it's funny. Last week, or the week, I think the week before, when whenever it was that I had COVID, um, and I was recording a couple episodes with Carl, and I, in between, because sometimes we sit down and we record like two or three episodes at a time, Carl and I. That's nuts. And in between episodes... I went and like, I was like, oh, I'm going to take some, I'm going to take a multivitamin. I'm going to take <laughs> like a vitamin C. I'm going to take some cold effects. I'm going to take like, oh. I'm just going to take a bunch of stuff and get myself, you know, like I was, I was due, I was due to, you know, take some stuff. And I guess I didn't have enough to eat. There wasn't enough in my stomach. Oh, And so I took it all and I came back and I sat down and Carl <sighs> and I started recording and about five minutes into the episode, and this was something that I didn't, I haven't let the listener into yet, um, but Carl's aware of, and, and I'll bring bring you up to speed now. Um, I I said to Carl about five minutes into the episode in the podcast, I said, you know what? Normally, I'm the I I'm always the one running us through these episodes of I think we were reviewing Ahsoka. 
um, mm. I said, you know what? Now, this time it's your turn. You you lead us through the episode. You tell us what happened in Ahsoka this week, you know, blah, blah, blah. And Carl Carl was like, and, and, and it worked because I was like, I was a little frustrated with the episode. I was like, oh, you know, there's a negative review for this episode and it kind of sucked and it was a stupid title and blah, blah, blah. And so I just like passed it off to him. And then I was the one that was just kind of like interjecting and making comments when I could. Um, but ultimately and truthfully, it was because about five minutes into that episode, I was so certain I was going to throw up. <laughs> like I was just not well. And so I sat with like a waste basket. Oh, yeah. Instead nice. of like stopping, we were only five minutes in. Instead of like saying like, ah, oh, you know what, man, like actually let's pump the brakes here. I need to, <laughs> I was just like, hey, you know what? I might throw up. So I'm going to mute my mic and you take over. And <laughs> That's that's what the that's what the mute button is for, right? Exactly, exactly. But I am glad that you're feeling better. Hello and welcome. Welcome to the Movie Men Podcast. Wait, whoa, what? I'm not supposed to do that part. Yeah, you are. You I am? see? Okay. Oh my All gosh! Right. Listen, listen, listen. I've been on your case now for a little while about. <laughs> The infrequency with which you're on the podcast these days, and uh, this, this is, is just—it's so through driving my point home because this is actually the second episode in a row where you've not <laughs> known how to do this. I'm gonna have to go back and re-listen to some of our episodes. Let me try that again. Because welcome, because you listen. Here's the thing: you genuinely you listen to Carl on the yes. podcast now more than you're yes. on the podcast yourself. Yeah, and it's yeah. screwing you up. It's just screwing me up. So it I say hello me. and welcome. Welcome to the Movie Man Podcast. I am Peter, the memory challenged <laughs> co-host, and my more frequent host, um, the the puke bucket extraordinaire uh, oh, co-host geez, is Brady. Brady. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. That's uh, that's that's <laughs> quite the. Uh, <laughs> Quite the quite the title you've given me. Thank you. Um, so, so this, well, no, hold on. This, okay, I, this is a tangent, uh -huh. and I'm not going to go down a big rabbit hole. Okay, please do anyways. I, <laughs> well, I'm not going to. I'm specifically, even if you want to, I'm not going to, because people can get heated over medical things and supplements. Oh, but I, you just you totally kicked like a thing that I forgot even existed when you mentioned cold FX. Like I just forgot yeah. that was a thing. So, okay. This is going to become a tangent. I sure. I typically don't take anymore, like for the last five or six years. Yeah. If I'm, I, I got into this, like I used to all the time, whether it was like Tylenol cold or whatever, like if I wasn't feeling well, I started popping whatever cold medication there was mm. yeah. and just, you know, Hope for kind the best. of got through it. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. then I got in this thing, like for the last five years or whatever, where I stopped taking anything for a cold where I was just uh, kind of like, you know what? I'm just going to rest and not go to work. Yep, and take it easy. This is what it is. And I, um, you know, there was, there's, there's a, a I don't want to say a theory cause that'll piss some people off. There's a, <laughs> there's a, a, a train of thought out there within the medical community. Right. Um, 
both Western and Eastern medicines that uh, that if you have a cold and you take things to suppress your symptoms, you mm. may actually be like, although in the moment you're feeling better, you may actually be slowing down your recovery a little bit. You're actually sure. like, you know, your body's like, oh, we're feeling better. We're not going to fight Great. as hard. Right. right and and i and i don't know if that's true i don't know if it's bullshit but like that yeah. seed some, got planted in my head and i was some like wow. people, yeah some there's some thought that some people think that for sure yeah yeah and so i just kind of stopped taking it yeah. um and same with headaches like i stopped taking mm. tylenol for headaches i was just like yeah you know i don't know it's a headache uh, <laughs> i'm gonna sleep i'm gonna sleep i'm gonna drink some water maybe get a little caffeine into me and try to take a nap um and recently, I have come off that high horse <laughs> a little bit um, and still not like going out and buying Tylenol cold or whatever, but the um, the cold FX stuff that we had, because there is like straight up like daytime, nighttime cold FX, which is just like cold medication. Mm. Um, and this, this other, the, the cold effects that we have is, I think, more of like a cold effects immune booster uh, or something like it's just supposed to like jack your immune system a little bit okay. um so i don't know but you know when you have covid you try whatever Everything. you can but yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> so why are we here yeah well we're here uh is is our bread and butter we we had a vote and is seasonally appropriate we had a halloween vote and we let the audience have their say, both the common folk, the Patreon bonus folk, the people who found our votes by mistake and just started voting haphazardly. Um, and we 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 are here to talk, obviously, Corpse Bride. Yes. Um, and um, I, I'm, I mentioned this to you, and we'll go through the voting options in a second, but... I feel Corpse Bride was kind of a special victory because I can count at least two other times, but maybe even more, that this film has been a voting option and almost won. So I'm like, I'm pretty sure it's been a vote at least one other Halloween. We we back in the day we had like a Tim Burton specific vote, so at yeah. least two, maybe three times it's been a voting option and it's come close and it's obviously well received because it won today and uh, the other times it was well received. But never, I never quite won, and so for the last honestly two years or more, it's really piqued my interest for various reasons. So, because you had never excited. seen it, I've never seen it, so I was intrigued. But yeah, I'm um, just scrolling through to see how many other potential times. The last least, time it, the last time it appeared in a vote was. Two years ago, so we didn't do it last year. We didn't. Oh, we didn't put it up as an option last year. Okay. Um, but yeah, it was in a vote with uh, Casper, Monster mm. House, and Nightmare Before Christmas, and I think that's because yeah. Nightmare Before Christmas was the other one that was in there. Yes, a couple of times. I think both as a Christmas vote option and as a Halloween vote option <laughs> before it caught enough traction. Right. Um, but yeah, and then I'm seeing once in 2020 and once in 2019. So this is the third, third time, um, or fourth. This is the fourth. fourth time that, and I think looking at all of these, I would say that it was you that put that vote option forth 
every time. At least, at least a couple, t- at least some of the times for sure. Yeah. So it wasn't just a me going along for the ride. Like I had some curiosity. Mm-hmm. I had some curiosity. Oh, except I think the Tim Burton one was like, I think I selected all of them. You know what? That, that sounds right. And that makes sense with you being Tim Burton, a fan, like a fan. So I think that's selected, probably what happened. You, you, you selected probably, all of them for the Ridley Scott one. Yeah. So I think you probably planted the seed and then I went, oh, it did win. But I'm, you know, I'm, seems like a good vote option for Halloween. And then yeah. that's probably what okay. kind of carried it forward. Okay. Okay. So let's, let's so, talk the options. In, the, in dead last, and I'm talking dead, not <laughs> not just because of the voting options, but because of the content, we had Paranormal Activity. Yes, which also and has appeared several times oh, in votes. Yeah. And, and I, I feel maybe it's done now. I, I still feel like at some point, maybe it'll come up in conversation or maybe it's just that movie that comes up in different chants and conversations just of the cultural phenomena that was around it when it came it, well, out. And and you see, you know what I'd be, you know what I'd be curious to do because I like, I've told my paranormal activity story on the podcast mm-hmm. several times about yeah. how it was the early days of oh. the found footage franchise. Yeah. And I didn't, I, I went into it thinking it was an actual documentary. I walked <laughs> out of it thinking it was an actual documentary right. and it messed I'm, me up. And and we were younger, both individually and like in, like you said, the found footage era, it was more unique. So yeah, it was very, a different palette for sure. When yeah, we were I was like, like oh. 16 or something. Yeah. 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 Um, I have seen Paranormal Activity, Paranormal Activity 2, Paranormal Activity 3, mm. and I think once I've seen Paranormal Activity 4, oh, well. I have not seen... Paranormal Activity, The Marked Ones, The Ghost Dimension, or Next of Kin. Good heavens. I didn't realize there was like 13. And neither did I until literally right now. I thought maybe yeah. there was five, but there's seven of them. Hmm. Um, and it is, I mean, there's always been kind of this through story happening. Yeah. Right? Like, yeah. it's it's around the same demon and the same, like, n- n- dirty deal that's been made with the dark side type of thing and, <sighs> and sort of just how that's... Imp- like, the films kind of jump around in but the timeline. A, but there's some common thread and... Well, yeah, they jump know, around story. in the timeline just to explain how this, like, one deal has, has yeah. impacted several different negative generations. And yeah. so, listen, I'm not saying it'll happen. I'm not saying it'll happen, but we are, as soon as we watch, as soon as we review the um, most recent Mission Impossible, we mm. are in the market for something new to review. And and much in the sense that, like, the Scream movies have kind of had this same kind of through storyline that we've been able to pick apart and... And really say like, okay, like, did this add something to it, or was this cheesy? Was this dumb? Do we buy this aspect of you know, blah blah blah? It, I'm just putting it out there. I'm putting it on the table. We don't need to discuss it now, and no promises are being made to the listener. Definitely no promises. But I think it could be interesting. I mean, it could be interesting, but I mean, also winning the lottery could be interesting too. <laughs> okay, well, there's your there's <laughs> there's your answer, folks. <laughs> 
Um, but yeah, I mean, one percent of me is considering it. That would be fun. It would. I I think it'd be very interesting. If Carl Eastman signs up, I think we're game. <laughs> okay. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, so next on the docket, we had Sleepy Hollow. Um, another Tim Burton film. Another one that's been an option, I think, a couple times, um, but didn't didn't win. Another Johnny Depp movie that didn't win. And then uh, in second place, or very close to second place, the two two and three were pretty close. We had Crimson Peak, which that was one of my options, and I was I've always been really intrigued to watch it, and I've just never gotten around to it. I do like Tom Hiddleston. I do like Jessica Chastain. I do like um, Guillermo. Sorry, Guillermo. Guillermo del Toro. Thank you for just being a friend. Yeah. So I've always been intrigued. I don't know a whole <laughs> you just lot quote about the-, the Golden Girls theme song. <laughs> Without shame, I absolutely did. <laughs> okay. Um. Yeah, I've always been intrigued by it. You know, it's got uh, all those things that I just mentioned that I'm intrigued about. I don't know a lot about the premise, but it's one of the, you know, it's a bit of a um, an interesting an interesting title that I've always wanted to watch, but it didn't win, and so it will just have to stay on my eventually watch uh, list. So I've heard it's garbage. Oh, really? I haven't seen it. Yeah, I've I yeah. haven't heard good things, but that doesn't mean. Yeah, doesn't mean it's not. It's just no. Yeah, I've heard just rubbish. from the. The people you've talked to, it hasn't panned out. Yeah. I'm still I'm still curious. Okay. okay. Um, but yeah, quite clearly, the winner was Corpse Bride. Was very strong, was not close, number one. And um, I, I'd i like to think that you're happy about, about this, but what are your thoughts? Uh, like, initial impressions? Is that what we're doing? I guess uh, that, that wasn't actually me saying first impressions. That was actually me just truly saying, are you okay with oh. this? Uh yeah, I mean, I'm rarely am I not okay without showing my hand. Rarely am I not okay with uh, the winner of a vote option. Okay. <laughs> yeah. 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 <coughs> As Pete dies in the background. Part of me, I am. I am. All good. It's all good. Uh, okay. Yeah. So, okay. You weren't fair. Um, we'll get into how we think about it. That's fair. Okay. All yeah. Right. All right. Well. Yeah. Huh? Uh, uh, yeah. So, 2005 film, all the usual suspects with uh, Tim Burton films. You've got Johnny Depp. You've got Hel- Helena Bottom. Helena. Help me out here. Helena. <laughs> <laughs> you, you, were, you were doing great. <laughs> Helena B. Carter. Helena Bonham Carter. There you go. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Chris, Christopher Lee. I yep. mean, good heavens. Yeah. Michael Gow. <laughs> Pardon me. That's um, all good, man. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Michael well, Gow's in this. Hmm. M- Michael Gow pl- played the uh, uh, Michael Keaton's Alfred. Ah. Uh, the Tim Burton, Wait, Michael name. Keaton's, yeah. Oh, yeah. You, you, and uh, I should be well versed in this. You and Carl recently had a top discussion Alfred yeah. discussion. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then a couple other like Tracy Allman is in this. Um, Danny Elfman's 
Danny Elfman does a voice, but obviously also does all the music. Right. Um, there's an actor named Deep Roy who's in this. Um, hmm. He's been in a couple other paranormal activity, or paranormal activity, good Lord. <sighs> he's been in a couple other Tim Burton things. Um, <laughs> maybe most notably is he was the face of all of the Oompa Loompas in the Charlie and the Chocolate Factory Johnny Depp one. So Yeah. I have to say, if we were doing like a Would You Rather, if this was a high school party and we were flipping the <laughs> okay, bottle yeah. and like a Would You Rather, I honestly, as I, I'm going to mute myself to cough here, I think my initial impression would be I think I would rather watch and review all the paranormal activities than watch that Willy Wonka film. Okay, so there you have it. We are going to be doing all of the paranormal activity movies coming up. Um, unfortunately, for those that are a fan of the 2005 Charlie and the Chocolate Factory film, uh, we won't be doing that one, but... We do have seven Paranormal Activity reviews on the way. I'm super excited for this. Probably won't start until the new year. Um, oh, but let's that'll just be get fi- it in the holiday season. But Why not? yeah, but that'll be fine. It'll 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 be a good 2024. <laughs> that'll be the year of Paranormal Activity. I'm excited. I'm glad you came around. I you know I just have to say I think Willy Wonka is an intellectual property that's completely wasted on me because. Just specifically the one from the 2000s I have no interest in, but even the original one, like I am very, you know, I've seen it probably in the last 10 years, maybe, maybe the last 15, and I, like, I have zero desire to watch it, to show it to my kids, and even with this, now now this, oh my gosh, I'm going to need help with this, this, even with the Timothy Charlemagne, Chalamet? yeah, even with that new um, the IP of Willy Wonka film coming out with him. I forgot what the act- yep. is. It just called Wonka or whatever it's called. Just Wonka, yeah. Wonka, yeah. Uh, that is another thing that I just have absolutely zero interest in, and it's not a slight on the the team or the 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 the, the creative background that goes into it. I just have no interest in that IP. I was I was very much looking forward to that movie, mm. and. The the trailers for it have been a very mixed bag for me. Mm. Like some of the stuff in those trailers I'm looking at and I'm like, oh, look, look. Because it is, it's it's a prequel right. specifically to the sure. Gene Wilder one from back in the yep. day. Yep. Um, and But then there's just some things in there where I'm like, well, this is not the feel <laughs> right. that I was looking for. No, because it's made by the. It's the same. It's like it. It's in the same wheelhouse and made by some of the same people that did Paddington, and that mm. formula, that style, that feel works great. That like whimsical, yeah, magical kind of whatever thing works really great for Paddington. Um, but it's not. It's not what I was hoping for when we first heard that we were getting a Wonka origin film, but. Mm. Yeah, neither here nor there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, Corpse Bride, Corpse Bride. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Should we get into it? Let's do it. Initial impressions. So, um, I think that I'm, I'm just going to basically do this one bullet point. Sure. My initial impression. Yeah. Um, 
I think it's fun. I think it is a, I think much like The Nightmare Before Christmas, from a filmmaking standpoint, it is a technical marvel. What they're able, like just the whole process of trying to create a stop motion project like this, mm-hmm. um, I think is very fascinating and and really cool. Right. I think it is in most ways inferior to the nightmare before Christmas. Hmm. I think it's kind of, although it's not connected in any way, it's, I I think it's fair to say that it's sort of a spiritual successor to the nightmare before Christmas. Um, but it just isn't, you know, I, I don't think it captures the same magic. So that's, that's sort of my initial impressions. Okay. What about you? Having you know what? just I, seen this for I, the first time. Yeah, yeah. I definitely mirror some of what you say, but, you know, it is fun. I truly had some moments where I chuckled out loud, like when Victoria's father was struggling to force a smile when meeting the in-laws. Um, I loved, there was like a, for me, that like direct quote from Gone with the Wind for, frankly, my dear, I don't give a damn. Um, yes. And I, I, I think if I had to like just flag what I enjoyed the most, I enjoyed the first 15 or 20 minutes the most before it got into the Timothy Burton-y, you know, deathly, you know, vibes and mantra that is typical the underworld of such stuff. a film. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I really enjoyed just the actual aspect of, you know, you've got this cool stop motion and the, the, the interesting color palettes and you've got the the real world so bland and the underworld so vibrant and i thought that was interesting and i i think just what i liked the most was just the underlying story of like a forced marriage and the stop motion that went with it and the, you know the individuals warming up to each other and that that, that dynamic the tim burtoniness of it i think i just wasn't as into i'm not sure i'd ever need to see this movie a second time right and I think I maybe could have, uh, to wrap up my initial impression, I think what could have warmed me up to it more to say, okay, I, I think I could watch this again, was I felt a little underwhelmed by some of the underlying character development. Okay. In that the whole movie, I was wondering which way it was going to go. Was he going to go for his bride that he truly felt for strong at the beginning, or was he more interested in his bride that he kind of got to in haphazardly due, due to this arrangement. And I felt like it could have gone either way. And it just seemed like a bit of a yo-yo with his affections. And for me, at least when I watched it, there was no clear, clear definitive, like, this is why he's doing his, this is why it, the end resulted in the way it did. And it morally felt right. And everyone was happy. Like it, it wrapped up and had the, it's neat little bows tying everything off, but I wasn't really convinced from a character perspective that it had a natural flow and it ended why it should have ended. If that makes sense. Right. Yeah. I think I'm tracking. But overall, yeah, I think it was an interesting watch for sure. I, so I have an interesting story about this movie that I'm going to slot in here because it's not really part of the review and I don't know where else to put it. <laughs> this film came out in 2005. In uh, 2005. Uh, yeah, that checks out. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. In that's the story. Um, <laughs> in 2005, I 
was 13. Uh, actually, hang on. When... When was what, I born? Is that what, what you're going to No, Google? what was the actual release date of this? Because I may not. I may have been 12. Are you texting your mom being like, hey, mom, was, no, was I born again? Jackass. I'm looking up what the actual release date. Yeah, that's fair. September um, 16th is what September I've got in the USA. In okay, the USA. so I was 12. And when I was 12, I was in... Hold on. I... <laughs> are, you, are you okay? Like, you're more private. No, I'm sorry. I'm more private than you are. Do yeah. you mind if I reveal approximately when your birthday is on the show? December 23rd. I think it's hilarious that you were going to change your story in the chance that it was released in six possible days in that year compared to the other 359. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I know. It's just, I always like have to see math. Is, <laughs> math around my birthday is more complicated because of that than other people's, right? Because I For can't sure, just, not, I can't just like, do the math. I have to do the math and subtract a year usually. I know. It's just like, <laughs> I know for some reason I'm finding that funny. Continue. Yeah. Uh-huh. Laugh it up there. You were 12. Um, <laughs> 12. Uh, so I was 12 and yep. would have been in, I'm guessing grade eight. Something. Yeah, around there. Because it's. I think you usually take the age and minus four or five. So grade seven or eight. Yeah. And, and would have been, you know, because I would have been one of the younger ones in my mm. class. Um, so I, I, so I think I was in grade eight, um, and on the, the school, at the schoolyard, my, I don't know if they were friends, really. They're people I'm not in contact with at all anymore, but Mm. schoolyard chums, we'll call them. Sure. Yeah. Dared me. Oh, heavens. To go out with some some girl, right? Another girl at school, <laughs> and I never. I was twelve years old. I'd never had a girlfriend. I'd never, you know, whatever else. So this would this would have been like my first girlfriend, right? And I don't know what the terms around the dare were. I don't know if it was a, a double dog dare or triple dog dare. <laughs> I have no idea. Yeah. But you don't back down from there. So I, all of a sudden, and yeah, I mean, you remember, you know, back in school, it was just kind of like, you know, to all of a sudden be boyfriend and girlfriend. All you really had to do was say, we're boyfriend and girlfriend. Like that, that was the, like it it was, then all of a sudden you're a couple. Um, There was no paperwork back then. There was no paperwork. There was no like time requirements, especially, right? You could like start dating someone and break up like a week late. You'd have like eight different boyfriends or girlfriends in a given school year because relationships lasted a week. And uh, so I, uh, (laughs) so all of a sudden, I guess this girl was my girlfriend and I wasn't really interested in her. Um. But I wasn't really interested in any girl. I like I was. 12. I mean, in a way, you could say it was an arranged marriage or an arranged it, kind of. And and, yeah. and like and I just wasn't. I just wasn't there yet. I wasn't ready for dating. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and so I mean later the next summer I, I was ready but no but I at this time I was just like it, it, it dating hadn't even crossed my mind I wasn't interested in mm-hmm. it none of my other friends had boyfriends or girlfriends so it, it just wasn't a thing and right. so um anyways we went to the theater in our hometown to see this movie this was oh like, it was like oh well I guess we better go on a date yeah and when you're 12 all you know about dates is you take a girl to the movies right mm-hmm. and so we went to see this movie which is only an hour and 17 minutes long by the way but yeah it's on the shorter end my god it felt longer in the theater <laughs> that night <laughs> and we sat there and i could probably if we walked into that theater i could probably pinpoint the two seats still <laughs> we sat there and watched the movie and walked i walked her back to her place and s- at, said goodnight to her and she kissed me on the cheek good heavens and the next day i broke up with her uh because oh. well no because here's the thing because all of a sudden it occurred to me like i just panicked yep. right like freaked me out and I, and because all of a sudden it occurred to me i was like well this is obviously something she wants more than it's something that i want mm. right and so i panicked and broke up with her cuz she kissed me on the cheek um and yeah. she held my hand and that like i was just too far and so yeah so anyways that's my corpse bride story that's that is my first experience you want to talk about initial impressions My initial impression of The Corpse Bride was that that was the film that I went to go see when I was 12 years old with my first girlfriend. I think we were together for four days, and she kissed me on the cheek, and I panicked and broke up with her. (laughs) Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Different times. Different times. Different times. Uh, So you were talking about the cast. Mm -hmm. And yes, we have obviously we have Johnny Depp because this was during the era of Tim Burton where Mm -hmm. Johnny Depp would appear regularly in his films. Yeah. We have Helena Bonham Carter, Mm -hmm. who either shortly after or at the time was married to Tim Burton. Hmm. They are now no longer together. Okay. Um, But yes, she was another... She was another massive mainstay. Uh, yes, they got married in 2001. Hmm. So, yeah, they were together at this point. Yep. Um, and so, obviously, you know, you want your wife to work, and and <laughs> so you give her lots of roles. Um, <laughs> we have Christopher Lee, which you mentioned. He shows up in several different Tim Burton things, or just really kind of like, even if they're not Tim Burton things, sort of darker, macabre kind of things anyways, right? Like, Christopher Lee was Dracula at one point, was he not? Right. Like, I think before sort of the Lord of the Rings era of Christopher Lee that we all know, Mm -hmm. he was like... Back in the 70s and 80s or whatever, I think he did some like dark shit. He was kind of (laughs) like... He was kind of like Vincent Price, but scarier. Yeah, Dracula. Yeah, the guy guy played Dracula on, oh gosh, how many occasions here? He played Sherlock Holmes in 1962. 
Apparently, he was in The Wicker Man, the original. The original, yep. Uh, I I think you mentioned this, but you know, as a Bond villain, villain as well. Yes, I didn't mention it, but yeah. Uh, One, two, three. I'm seeing at least four instances of playing Dracula. At least (laughs) one instance of playing Lucifer. Jeez. And then other like. Not Dracula names, but they seem to me like count, like different counts and stuff. Mm. Like I, I, I think he's played a lot of you know that kind of darker, creepy, the old monster monster movie days. I think were his thing. Mm. Um, and so yeah, it makes sense that he's in these types of projects. Michael Gao, as as we already mentioned, plays the Orf. elder Gut Gutnik. He's the one that um, helps. Uh, helps the corpse bride and um, Victor return to the land of the living. Mm. And Tracy Ullman, who a lot of people are going to say, who? Tracy Ullman um, is an actress who, I mean, has appeared in many things, a couple episodes of How I Met Your Mother, um, you know, an episode of Will and Grace, like various, just different comedies and stuff like that. Who, who does she play in How I Met Your Mother? Uh, she was in three episodes of How I Met Your Mother. She played uh, Guinevere. Oh, hmm. I don't know. Um, but of the the or sort of her biggest, I would say, most important role in pop culture is that between 1987 and 1990, hmm. she had a variety show, kind of like um, kind of like the Carol Burnett show, but also like maybe a little less high class, mm. <laughs> I guess. Um, mm. And yeah, it just ran for 71 episodes and, and had like various little, you know, whatever, and occasionally there would be some animated segments little cartoon segments on the Tracy Allman show. And on the Tracy Allman show, one of those little animated segments was about a a dysfunctional family Hmm. um, voiced by actors Yardley Smith, Julie uh, Kavner, Nancy Cartwright, Dan uh, Castellaneta, uh, and they were a, yeah, just this sort of def- dysfunctional nuclear family. What made them stand out was that they were yellow and they were called the Simpsons. And hmm. it was a very, like, if you go back and look, very crude drawings, very early Homer's voice isn't dialed in yet type of type of thing. Um, but it was a couple years later, I think, just before or right around the time that the Tracy Allman show was getting canceled, where someone said, hey, you know what? There might be something to this Simpsons segment that used to appear on the Tracy Allman show. Um, let's look at developing it as a as a primetime television show. Hmm. So that is she is she gave the Simpsons their first platform. That's wild. Yeah. Yeah. Longest running animated television show longest running primetime television show 
Yeah, I was just going to say, yeah, not even just animated. Like, it's, yeah. Wow. Yeah, the only things that beat it out are, like, you, you know, shit like The Price is Right and <laughs> Jeopardy <laughs> and a, a smattering of soap operas. Like, Bold and the Beautiful, <laughs> Young and the Restless, blah, blah, blah. They've been going Hospital. on since, like, the 50s. Yeah. 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 So, yeah, so good cast. Mm-hmm. Good music, obviously. Danny Elfman. Yeah. I love Christopher Lee. Just because I, I didn't, I kind of forgot he was in Sleepy Hollow. Didn't realize he was in Willy Wonka. So I didn't realize he had this mo of uh, Tim Burton films. But I thought I just got a real kick out of his his voice acting in this specifically. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he suits the like. Here's the thing. I mean, it, so you were talking about how you enjoyed the beginning of the film better. Hmm. And I think I agree. Like, there's a there, there's a part where it just kind of becomes goofy. Yeah. And the beginning of the film, where they're like Victor's like fudging the the wedding rehearsal mm-hmm. and the gags about the super short, you know, like when when Victor's in the woods and and he's pretending to talk yes. to his in laws and the father's yeah. this like little stump with the twigs coming out of it and stuff like that. It's there's something really endearing about it. It's got a f- nice Tim Burton esque color palette, that like blue and gray and black kind of tones, um, and it kind of feels like the first fifteen twenty minutes of this film feel like a stop motion animated story, almost taking place in the same world that his Sweeney Todd movie does. Hmm. Yeah. Maybe. Right? Yeah. Like this Victorian London, cobblestone streets kind of thing. And it made me realize how much I'm kind of longing for just a feature-length film like that. Not not like a, a rendition of Sweeney Todd, but like if if this film never went to the land of the dead and it was just like a love story type thing between these two, to between Emily and Victor and mm. it was all in this style I think I would maybe enjoy it more I completely echo everything you've just said yeah I think I think that's what it is because I, I I don't know if at first I thought it was just my mood of like hey I think I'm just more personally interested in this kind of story but I think you hit the nail on the head a little bit that it does get a little bit silly a little bit goofy and distractingly so you know Beetlejuice wasn't my favorite film of all time, but it kind of gave me vibes of that when it's like, okay, here's all these dead people and this is how they do it. And for me, it was a bit of like been there, done that to a degree. As with the first 15 minutes, I'm like, this is different as far as, you know, it's very easier to follow. Like it's just this arranged marriage and these in-laws that don't get along and like hierarchy of class, but everything everything is done in a funny kind of tongue in cheek kind of way in this u- unique animation design. And I just feel like it was a little bit more fun, uh, had a little bit more of a flow and like a little bit more of a tempo as far as then. Yeah. After that kind of first third of the film, then for me, it, it kind of just loses its tempo going, okay, now we're going to meander and kind of, play with different themes and elements that don't really move our story along 
in mm-hmm. what I enjoyed in the first part. I, everything you said, I'd agree with. And almost all of the storylines that are taking place in the land of the living are more interesting and have more depth yes. than those that are taking place elsewhere. Yeah. Right? So, like, there's, there's like you said, there's the arranged marriage. Mm-hmm. But then there's the complexity of the sham of the arranged marriage, which is that the the um, Victor's last name is Van Dort. What is the Everglot? That the Everglot family also doesn't have any money, right? That they are this fancy, rich couple with a butler and all the pictures of ancestors and stuff on the wall. However, they, they've gone bankrupt. And they are, as a last-ditched attempt at not going belly up, they are hoping to get some of the profits from this fishmongering business <laughs> that the Van Dorts have, right? Mm-hmm. So there's that complexity to it. There's the complexity of... Um, Lord Barkus, Barkus, who is also there after money, but he's after the Everglot's money, who, as we've just established, don't have any. And he's kind of like, he's kind of like the Black Widow killer, right? He, he gets married, he takes all your money, and then he kills you, and then moves to the next town and does it again. And the fact there is complexity in this sort, I mean, this sort of dips into the underworld part, but even like, I really appreciate the complexity of the fact that the last time he did this, it was Emily. It was the corpse bride. And Mm -hmm. so there's, there's that interconnectivity there that. Uh, do you know what I mean? Like all the stories are kind of married together. And mm-hmm. so that, that to me, I enjoy. I even sure. enjoy when the underworld, everyone from the underworld comes up to the land of the living. Yeah. All that was fantastic. Dead sure. Dead spouses reuniting with their loved ones and and all this stuff and i'm like oh maybe there's maybe there's a really great story there like a coco style almost pixar feeling but in the style of tim burton dead ones come up and are reunited with their loved ones and have to learn to live together right Mm -hmm. in in harmony or whatever um and i think that'd be a far more interesting story it's literally just every time we're in the underworld there's just not sometimes it's just too too colorful and there's too much going on and Mm. it's kind of too much like just all over the place right it's kind of like it's kind of like the the land of the living is this fascinating story it's victorian england and and classy and interesting and then Mm. the, the land of the dead is just mardi gras Right. Like it's just it's just yeah. it's just this festival of of lights and sound and noise and <laughs> and whatever else and I get that that's a stylistic thing. It's it's mm-hmm. it's supposed this, to be opposite it's to a, yeah. yeah, it's supposed to be flipped of what you would think mm-hmm. it would be. Mm-hmm. 
but it just it's it just nothing truly interesting happens in the underworld so something that i i touched on this in my initial impressions was just this i didn't quite follow the narrative of our main character in that you know it it was typically i thought a more traditional storyline would be um i guess you'd say his living fiance was truly who he wanted to be with and throughout the whole movie the 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 corpse bride would be more obviously not a fit for him and that was the case to a general degree but i still just got mixed feelings because you know it was never like a complete they were never really butting heads between him and corpse bride like they kind of got along fairly well and his living bride still got along very well so i feel like in a traditional storyline you'd find either that he was but he i think you'd expect more that he was butting heads with the corpse bride or it turns out that he, the corpse bride is more of a fit for him and this arranged marriage was just a sham for me it was just yeah. a bit of a, a confusion where they both seemed kind of plausible partners for him and yeah. what seemed appropriate. So, like, I wouldn't have been surprised either way. Um, so, I think, like I said in the beginning, that surprised me a bit. And what I... This is very out there, so I'm not expecting that this film should have gone this direction. But I thought there maybe was some type of time lapse in play here where the corpse bride was actually his living fiance, and there was some mix-up like he tripped and hit his head in the woods or something and like a time lapse had gone on and like truly the reason why he was getting along so well with both women was because it was technically the same woman and he just didn't recognize her or something and i know logistically if you break it down maybe that doesn't work out but i was just thinking of some reason of why he got along so well with the both women because it was a weird like he's not a womanizer and he wasn't leading both of them on and obviously it has its own neat tidy up at the end to make sense but there was just something about it that i didn't that quite pick could up on. have been really cool yeah i thought so too really cool because yeah. i mean it would change some of the reveals yeah. but especially if you still have the two storylines going on you Did have you? the underworld storyline and you have the one on on in the land of the living, but mm. it's not until the end of the film where where you realize that they're not happening simultaneously. Mm. That all of the ones in the land of the living are a flashback to the couple right. of days following Victor going missing, right. and all of the stuff happening in the land of the living is happening three years later or, mm-hmm. or whatever it is, right? Whatever, yeah. And and you could still have her killed by you know like in in the in the wake of Victor going missing, Lord Barkus comes to town and the Everglots still end up marrying Victoria off to him. And then he finds out they don't have any money. And so he kills her and yeah. Ooh, <laughs> right? I, like there's, right? there's some really cool stuff that they could have done there. And then, and right. then they end up getting to be together after all. Just and 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 then he drinks the poison so that he can be with her, and it becomes a true love story. Because man, that would have been so much better. Because I, I like I gotta be honest. There's some weird stuff 
in terms of like, like you were saying, yeah, that he kind of seems like he could end up with either of them. Mm -hmm. And it makes the moment in the church at the end a little weird because (laughs) he's, he doesn't know Victoria. Like he's literally just met her. Yes. And is attracted to her. Like he's, it's sort of a little Mm. bit of that, like love at first sight. Yeah. Type thing. Um, Mm. He finds her endearing. And, and wants, is, is more than willing to marry her. (laughs) And at first has no interest in being married to Emily, but that mostly just kind of seems like it's, because it's weird and creepy because she's (laughs) like, it's just a shock. The whole situation, mm-hmm. he's just in shock. Um, but then he comes around to it. Like, he almost comes around. It's one of those weird things where, like, I don't think an hour and 17 minutes is a long enough runtime. Right. Like, the pacing is weird, right? Because mm. he just kind of all of a sudden comes around to, like, it's it's almost like then he's willing to marry Emily because he feels bad for her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so then, but then... Like his word is his bond because <laughs> even once he gets back up to back up to the land of the living and and Victoria's there again, he's like, no, like I made a promise, right? I promised I'd marry you. I promised promised I'd kill myself so that I can be married to you in the underworld. And and then Emily sees Victoria in the church and and Emily's like don't drink the poison you can't be with me you belong with Victoria and he's like are you sure and she's like yes and then Emily or then Victoria and Victor kind of like embrace like he holds her and she's like sort of nestled into his chest like looking up at him with affectionate eyes but they've still only just met <laughs> Like, this is the second time they've encountered each other. Yeah. And so, meant to be together, like, I don't know. And then that all seems kind of weird. And then it's a very ambiguous ending. Like, what is it actually that happens to Emily? Emily goes to heaven? Like, why does she turn into butterflies (laughs) and disappears? In which case, is the underworld purgatory? (laughs) Right, right. Right. Like, I don't, you know, there are a lot of things that seem half-baked. It it does, unforced and kind of just forced to wrap up. Like they had a great premise. Yeah. They had a great premise on paper, and they're like, oh, this could be really cool, and we're going to highlight that, you know, that it's it's really the the land of the living that is awful and dreary and boring, and, and you know, Michael Gow's character says, why would you want to go up there when people are dying to get down here? Right? Like it's, right. it's which is a genius. There are s- several fantastic lines in this movie. Um, oh yeah. And that's one of them. But yeah, it, it just seems like it was a great premise on paper. They had a, they had an excellent idea and then it, it's so- it just kind of didn't, land well like they they just almost half baked it it almost needs to be a short film or a full-length film with a bit more a bit bit different of a resolution or a bit different of a right uh you know uh 
performance. Performance right. is the wrong word, but resolution or, or accomplishment. You know, a bit more tweaks here and there just to, to wrap it out a bit more. Yeah, it's either a 40-minute story that has way too much bloat. Yes. Yeah. Or it's yeah. an hour and 40-minute film mm-hmm. that is missing a lot of character development and a lot of exposition and a lot of mm-hmm. just connective tissue to make yeah. things a little yeah. more fleshed out. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's yeah. a poor runtime. It's not the right runtime for this story. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Huh. So so safe to say this isn't the top of your Tim Burton ranking of no. all his works. Of all his No, works. and like I said, this is, you know, it came out in 2005. Mm-hmm. This is maybe the third or fourth time I've seen it. Hmm. Right? Like, it, it, yeah, it's not, and, and, and I would say that probably outside of this time, the only time I've watched it is if, like, either my younger sisters or I've been in a relationship with someone who's not very Tim Burton versed, and I'm like, oh, I'm going to introduce you to Tim Burton. And so it would have been in a collection of a number of other films. Right. Um, yeah. That we would have worked through. And so it's not it's not something I would never reach for it. I would never go, oh, well, it's Halloween, so it's time to watch Corpse Bride again. Mm-hmm. You know. Um, yeah. It's just kinda it's kinda it's just kinda there. And it's mm-hmm. a shame because like I said, there's there's some great there's so much potential. And I what I think I found vibrant about it is when I think of Tim Burton, I think kind of like, you know, the classic 80s vibe of like Beetlejuice and even, you know, Nightmare Before Christmas Edward and like Scissor Edward Scissor's Hands, where I don't know how to put this into words, but it just feels like a bit more of a different era because it's like live action-y and it's, you know, very real effects in a way to a degree is with I feel like this movie coming out in 2005 like it's just a very more modern kind of animation tactic and yeah. so I, like there's some aspects that I'm like this is kind of like a different kick and a different rendition and you know I think I'm expecting a bit more to match the art, the artistic medium that is kind of vibrant and new and I'm wanting a story that's I don't know delivers at the same capacity I guess Tim Burton has been not the same for a little while now. Mm. And it pains me to say, because I'm a big Tim Burton fan. Um, But yeah, like if you go back and you look and I'm not, none of his short stuff because he's got like two dozen short films before he actually (laughs) started directing films. Um, Mm. But Pee Wee Herman's Big Adventure was his first feature length Mm. film. Yes. Yep. And which, it's which I've got, known, I, you used to when we started the show, you used to say how much you loved that movie, and I had no idea what it was, and I was like, "Are you kidding me? Like, what is it?" And then now I realized like it was a Tim Burton film, and it kind of connected the dots. I'm like, "Yeah, oh, you've okay, seen it, right?" Yeah. No, no, I have not. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right. Well, 1985 is coming up in our voting options <laughs> before too long. So, um, and it's it's it doesn't feel full on Tim Burtony. Like there's flavors there of what's to come, but he hasn't gone like full dark side the way that he does in his next feature length film, which is Beetlejuice. 
So literally, he went Pee Wee's Big Adventure, Beetlejuice, Batman, which is crazy. Your third feature length film that gave you Batman. But at the time, Batman was not like, you know, it was like the most recent Batman thing that had happened was the Adam West thing. So it wasn't a hot property so much the way that it is now, right? Right. Uh, then Edward Scissorhands, Batman Returns, Ed Wood, um, Mars Attacks, Sleepy Hollow, Planet mm. of the Apes, uh, Big Fish, Charlie and the mm. Chocolate Factory, and mm. it, so it's right around the like Charlie and the it, it's right around the Charlie and the Chocolate Factory time. Like a lot of people, a lot of people don't like Planet of the Apes, the Tim Burton one. Mm. Um, and I think maybe that's because it's a bad film. Maybe it's because those people are purists, fans of the original, and this one's just like a big departure. I don't know. <laughs> um, but it's right around that time where things start to become hit or miss, right? Because mm. next up, you have Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, which some people love. <laughs> some people detest. Right? Because it's, well, it's not the original. <laughs> um, then Corpse Bride. Mm. Yeah, which you're starting to get into again, this territory. A little, then Sweeney Todd, which I would say oh, is yeah. a return to a return yeah. to to um, what's the return to form? It, yeah. it, it's it's yeah, it's it's sort of the revival of that. Um, then Alice in Wonderland, which was very CGI heavy, right? Very CGI heavy. Um, but I think it's still good, but I do think it's sort of like the next progression of sort of the downfall that is Tim Burton. Then you mm. have Dark Shadows. I don't know if you ever saw that. No. So Dark Shadows is Johnny Depp, Helena Bonham Carter, Michelle Pfeiffer, Eva Green, stuff like that. Um, but it is a live action movie. Dark Shadows was like a... Monsters, Adams Family esque TV show back in the sixties or seventy, probably seventies. Um, so that was just like a modern retelling of that. It's not great. Hmm. It's not great. Frank and Weenie, which was a animated film that is completely C- or completely computer generated, I believe, but it's in the style of. Um like a stop motion claymation thing. So it looks like it could be the same Mm. as Corpse Bride, but I don't think it is. Like, Mm. I think it's made, I think it's actually properly animated, Mm. um, which is a shame. Probably way cheaper to do. Sure. But a little bit of a shame. Big Eyes, I watched, is kind of, kind of is what it is. Miss Peregrine's Home for Peculiar Children, I've yet to see. The Dumbo remake that he did, live-action Dumbo movie, I haven't seen it, but I've heard that it's not good, that people Hmm. didn't like it. It performed kind of poorly. Hmm. Um, Now, hopefully, he's sort of getting back to... Like, we've got the Wednesday Netflix series that he just did. Right, yeah. And people seem to love that. And I'm hoping that I'm hoping he can still muster that original flavor that hmm. he used to do so well. That's hard to because, know. Because 
as soon as these strikes all lift, mm-hmm. he's back on set for Beetlejuice 2. Right. Yeah. And I really hope that after all these years, Beetlejuice 2 doesn't fall victim to... I hope it doesn't fall victim to the same curse that a lot of Beetlejuice stuff seems to have in more recent years. It's it's We're in this era of legacy sequels, and some have hit, and some have really done well, and some haven't so the the pressure's on there's never been a more pressurized time to deliver mm-hmm. yeah yeah <sighs> is there anything you truly loved though anything that was like a pop out where you're like oh that was fun you know what i'm glad i watched that I, no i think i've like i think i've hit on it you know there were the funny moments there was the underlying story that i liked um i liked i liked the danny elfman music i think my favorite song was probably the opening song I I don't mean this as a slight, but I think just when I'm looking at the Danny Elfman music, you know, the name sticks out to me, Danny Elfman, yes, of course. And when I look through his filmography, I'm not saying that it's not an accomplishment, but there's a lot of blockbuster films, but for me personally, none of the soundtracks really stand out other than Mission Impossible 1 and Spider-Man 1 and 2, like the Sam Raimi Spider-Mans. Um, really? And I know that's a hot take because there's a lot of films that are famous. Like I said, a lot of blockbusters, but those ones that he's done don't particularly align with like, I think of like, ooh, like, you know, that that's a good soundtrack that I'm going to pop on the Spotify and, and check out later. The Batman theme? I mean. The Alice in Wonderland? The Alice in Wonderland's got a great soundtrack. Mm, yeah. No? Not for me. Okay. That's that's fine. It's the Batman, you maybe you, you maybe got me on the Batman. Like again, I'm not sure I'm gonna play it on repeat, but you know the theme and you know mm-hmm. the, like components of that album. Sure, yeah, that's fair. Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. All right. Well, then, on a scale of zero to ten, how would you rank the Corpse Bride? I was bouncing around a little bit. I I was trying to determine is this good for me? Is this not good for me? And I'm gonna say it's not good for me. So it's not quite high up there on the 10 scale, you know, on the 7 to above scale. But I gave it a 6. I was feeling generous. You know, it's got some elements that we talked about that I think are good. The acting voices are good. There's some, you know, elements that I really thought that were pinpointed. Definitely not elevated to be any higher than a 6. So I would say a 6 out of 10. What would you give it out of 10? Uh, Very close. I give it a 6.5. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It. You know what? Is it worth? Is it worth a watch? I think so. If this is your type of, if you're like me and you like sort of the dark, creepy, Tim Burton German expressionism mm. kind of aesthetic, then, then yeah, I I think it's worth a watch. Um, but maybe only the one watch, right? Mm. Like. Uh, like I, I, I don't know if, like I would, I would say to someone, hey, if this is on Netflix, if it's on, you know, whatever streaming service that you're already subscribed to, pop it on. You might enjoy it. It's something you could watch with your kids at Halloween, and it's it's appropriate. It's clean. It's you know whatever. It's a good sp- spooky but not scary family flick. Hmm. But I also don't know that once you do watch it, you'll be like, well, but we better get it. You know, we need this on Blu-ray. 
<laughs> right. Right. Like it just, it, it's, <laughs> n- it doesn't, yeah. There's so many other films mm-hmm. in the same genre. Yeah. With the same feel, like Monster House and obviously Nightmare Before Christmas that I just think hit the hit the nail on the head a little more so than this does. So, yeah. Yeah. Pains me mm. to say. But yeah. after years and years of you trying to get this voted in. We're here. We're here. And it, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's never, it's never worth the hype. Yeah. After after four years, five years of trying to get a film in, it's never just, gonna live yeah, up. No, no. Yeah. What'd you watch this week, sir? I watched a few things. I watched a 1986 film called Blue Velvet. I watched it because it has Kyle MacLachlan, who I'm a huge fan of, and it's got a young Laura Dern, and it's a, a David Lynch film. David Lynch? Yeah, David Lynch film. And, you know, these two connected, David Lynch and Kyle MacLachlan on Twin Peaks, and I'm a huge fan of Twin Peaks. And so I I really, it had been on my radar to watch for quite some time when I finally got around to watching it. And it, it, it speaking of films or, or things that didn't live up to the height, it really did not. I gave it a 5 out of 10. It was um, kind of like a lot of David Lynch films, you know, it it's about evil or underlying evil. And so it can make you feel uncomfortable. This movie felt, I felt super uncomfortable in. There's a lot of like graphic, um, it's interactions. soft core it, it, porn. Just say it. Well, it's, it's, the was, movie's basically like soft core porn. It, I don't know if it was necessarily a rape scene, but it was just very like an uncomfortable interaction between some characters. Um, you know, the the Americana that usually is balanced in say like Twin Peaks that like it's it the pleasantness that overlies some of the darkness and some of his other projects wasn't there so there wasn't even like as much of a balance to counteract the darkness so it was very a very down dreary film and just artistically it was like okay I, I'm not sure this was worth the two hours of watching this to to get the payoff for me so I gave it a five out of ten it was as much stuff that was adequate there was just as much stuff that was underwhelming for me did you say kyle mclaughlin was one of the reasons you were excited to watch it yeah i'm no. a huge kyle mclaughlin fan is that one of the names you listed yeah are you yeah yeah interesting so i had only ever seen him in one for the longest time i'd only seen him in one thing and in that one thing he is well, okay two things i'd only sure. ever seen him in two things and in yeah. in the second thing uh he's slimy and oh, so, and just so not thinks? a good guy. And so I was what like, thinks? I didn't like him for the longest time. So obviously, yes, he plays Cliff Vanderclave Cave in the mm. Flintstones, which ironically I haven't seen. I just know that he's in that. Film. Really? Oh, yeah. you gotta watch the Flintstones. Um, <laughs> and then there's a really, really speaking of softcore porn, there <laughs> is a um, 1995 movie. That hmm. isn't even rated R, it's rated NC-17. <laughs> oh, jeez. Like, it is, <laughs> buddy. And I was, I don't know, like, 14, 13, 14, and it was, like, <laughs> on late-night television <laughs> in my Jeez. on cable in my bedroom, right? Like, a Friday night at 11 type of thing. <laughs> and, uh, and... What <laughs> is this? And it stars... Um, 
Elizabeth Berkeley and uh, and Kyle McLaughlin and a couple <laughs> other people um, called Showgirls. Oh, I've heard of it. I've not seen it. And it's it is basically about being a Las Vegas showgirl, showgirl. slash right. stripper. Nice. Um, and it's but he's just he's just a creep in it. Right? Oh, like he's really? just he's just a guy that should not be allowed around any of the girls. But he's always hanging around the girls type of it's, thing. It's so funny. So like nine, I've seen him in a few things, but ninety percent of my association with him is from Twin Peaks. So he plays this FBI agent Dale Cooper, who's this like altruistic, like does everything the right way, is upbeat, is like a glowing, positive, shining, you know, beaming energy field. And I think it's just ironic that you're describing all these roles that he plays that are just the counter opposite. And uh, it's, it's all what, you know, an actor or relate an actor to, right? So with this one character, he's just like the Dudley do right of everything. And it's just so different. And of note, of note and the vote that we did when seven won, and we Mm. reviewed seven, showgirls um, was one. Showgirls was an option. Yeah. And I, I, and I'm not surprised it didn't win. Talk but about put, the road not taken. But I put it in there because it was like, I had a funny story to tell. That it was this like filth <laughs> film that I'd seen, you know, was basically like a childhood movie for me. Right. Um, and, uh, and also I just knew, I just knew what kind of an interesting discussion it would be <laughs> for us, right? Say to say like, that again. Sit down and, and so that's why I put it in there. But yeah. Yeah. Cool. Um, I watched a 2020 film, uh, Christopher Nolan film called Tenet. Ah, uh, with subtitles to, so you could understand what people were saying. Holy Hannah, did I ever? <laughs> you've got you've got John David Washington, Robert Pattinson, um, Elizabeth Debicki, um, a few other notable faces, but um, I gave this a six out of ten. You know, I wanted to like it. There's some very um, action sequences that are incredibly visually of like, I'm sure how it was difficult to actually create as a creator and are visually entertaining. But as it relates to the storyline, it's almost too confusing. You know, when sequences are happening in like reverse motion and backwards motion as it relates to what it means for the storyline and timelines of going on. It's almost too confusing, just almost too over the top. And it's almost like, you know, Christopher Nolan turned up the dial and said, I'm going to just crank this up of intensity of what's going to be required of the viewer. And it's almost like an overload of like, okay, you're demanding a little bit too much out of the viewer that you're, you're not really letting them soak in and really get into the storyline and what's happening. And you're just kind of in turning things up for the sake of having something being more intense. So it kind of like my coughing got in the way that intensity in the film just kind of got in its own way. So I gave it a six out of 10. I was a little bit disappointed. Well, and there's Um, also this thing about like Christopher Nolan notoriously has really hard to understand sound mixing. In and it's movies. gotten worse. It's gotten and, worse and, over and, time. And, and well, but in, and, and there's debates about whether or not it's intentional that he does it on purpose because 
he doesn't want compression in his audio. He wants this massive dynamic range mm. so that loud moments are truly god awful loud moments. And mm. but as a result, you can't ever understand what anyone's saying. You and, can't. And I know for a like, I I I haven't seen Oppenheimer, but I mm. know that Tenant is considered to be the worst of the worst for that. That it was yeah. just like. People, people watching it in a movie theater, and they have no idea what anyone's saying. They're like, I don't know, I, I don't know what's going on because I can't understand the dialogue. It's kind of like Inception, like where a seed was planted, and I felt like it was planted in The Dark Knight Rises with Bane, yeah, and then just it's permutated a little bit with some of his more recent projects, where it's the same thing, where it's going, oh, like don't understand who's saying what, and um, my ears hurt from that explosion that just happened. Because I don't care if you can understand what people are saying in my movies. <laughs> exactly. Um, the last thing I've watched was a 2010 film by Christopher Nolan. I watched Inception. Gotta love Leonardo DiCaprio. Gotta no, you love. Don't. You have to. You okay. do. It's. Uh, I think it's a law. I, last time I checked, it was a law. <laughs> okay. Um. You've got Christopher Michael Caine. You've got C- Cillian Murphy. You've got a lot of really good actors in this film. I know you're not always the biggest fan just because it got a lot of hype at the time. I get that. It's still a solid movie. I gave Inception a 7 out of 10. I think it's not necessarily Christopher Nolan's best film. I think like a 7 is its ceiling. I could never see it being higher for me. Um, and it's got a ceiling, unlike some other films of Christopher Nolan's that I think have higher ceilings. This is a solid movie. It's a solid seven. It was very um, creative for the time and did, as much as it was overhyped, it did bend a lot of narrative and storytelling types. And, um, you know, the, it was it was groundbreaking at the time. I'm just Still not a massive it. Christopher Nolan fan, I think. Like, I, you know... It was just fine. I I found after I watched Oppenheimer, I thought, yeah, this is probably his masterpiece. But even then, it's got a ceiling. Like I'm I'm realizing that each of his good films in my books have their flaw. Like there is no perfect Christopher Nolan film. They all have their limitations. Yeah, they're all slightly overhyped. I I think they just all have limitations. Like when you look at the Batman films, they're great. They're my favorite Batman films, one and two. But, you know, at the end of the day, they are just what they are. Or, you know, Interstellar really is interesting. It's got some great visuals. It's got some great interrelational like components that they play on with family members. But it's got some flaws, too. And Inception has its, its ceiling. Tenant wasn't great for me. You know, um, Dunkirk visually is great. But, you know, it's not the most perfect story. So, like, he's got all these real good gems and really solid films. But none of them are perfect, and even Oppenheimer, like it, it's 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 got some conflicting narrative, kind of competing with for screen time there. So I've come to the conclusion too, like maybe not as much of a hater as you are, but like I'm not like a Christopher Nolan is perfect bandwagon at all for sure. It's good to hear. So it's good to hear. You've kind of won me over. Um, what did you watch this week? Um couple things it's still working through the mcu so we finished hawkeye 
and are now watching Moon Knight. Mm. Um, rewatched a film that I really like with Robert Downey Jr. Hmm. and Vincent D'Onofrio and Robert Duvall called The Judge. Dax Shepard, Billy Bob Thornton. Really like that movie. That's a movie, people shit all over that movie. People are like, (sighs) what was Robert Downey Jr. thinking? I don't don't understand any of the hate. (laughs) Any of the hate. I I think it's a great movie. And I just don't, I I don't get it. You're um, not there for that. No. And then last night we watched, we were like, you know what? It's spooky season. We haven't really actually watched, like, we haven't watched anything upsetting. <laughs> right? We haven't watched anything, like, bothersome. Um, and so we, we hopped on to, we were looking around, checking out a couple of the different streaming services and stuff. We hopped on... Disney Plus and watched the 2023 film The Boogeyman. Oh, um, interesting. Which is a a retelling or a, a a rendition of I think like the 1978 novel by Stephen King. So right there like you know that you've got solid source material, right? If it's a horror project and Stephen King's name is on it, you're like, okay. So there's solid source material. It just kind of depends on on you know whether or not it's done well. Like if you you know adapt it well. Hmm. Um, it was good. Yeah, it was good. It's it's not the greatest horror film I've ever seen. Um, and there was right towards the end there was a serious eye roll moment. Hmm. Where I was just like, oh, come on. But outside of that, I would say it was pretty good. Yeah, hmm. it it was it was enjoyable. I enjoyed myself. I wasn't like, there was no point in watching the movie where I was like, oh, I think we've made a mistake. Mm. Right? It, it, it was still, it was still enjoyable the whole way through. So. I mean, that, that's all you can hope for. That's the yeah. dream. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's it. I think that's it. We're going to watch something else tonight. Probably another scary thing. Um, <laughs> but just because, you know, it's the only time of year, like, Brienne really doesn't like scary stuff. Mm. And so it's the only time of year, like, she's always willing. But I know, I always know that she's not, she's never happy about it. And so, like, quite often, like, there there have been times where I'm like, oh, there's this horror movie in the theater. Like, I really want to go see it. Will you go with me? And mm. she says yes. And then we don't end up going because I feel bad. Because I'm <laughs> like, no, nah, like, you're going to hate this. Like, you know, you're saying yes. And that's sweet of you. And I appreciate it. But, like, you don't want to do this. You're not going to enjoy this. And so why, you know why 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 would i why would i make you do this and so but october is kind of the one time of the year where it's like sweetheart we have no choice it's it's halloween choice yeah it's halloween we have no choice (laughs) so we i shut off all the lights in the apartment like if anything makes light like you know i'm like 
I'd be unscrewing the light bulb from the fridge. I'm like, no, no, no. This is going to be pitch black, except for I've got like LED strip lighting attached to the back of the TV. So you get that nice like glow on the wall. And I switch it to like a dimly lit deep red just to like set the atmosphere. Hmm. Yeah. So I'm an ass about it, but <laughs> but uh, but it's good. It's good. So, yeah. Wrap it up, sir. Very good. Well, thank you for listening, everyone. Whether you're joining us just for Halloween episodes, whether you're joining us just uh, for your first time, or whether you're a regular coming back for more, we appreciate you joining us. Check out our socials below, X or whatever they're calling it these days, Facebook, Instagram. The links are below our Patreon page. Thank you for all our generous Patreon supporters. They support us financially. They support us uh, weekly by listening on the show. We really appreciate all that they do. And uh, you can check out the links below for some merchandise as well. And until next time, when we talk more news, when we talk more spook, when we talk more votes. And more spook. And I want to say to the horror fans, Mm. we won. We won. Because I, I, we always do two Halloween votes. Yeah. And we set out to do two Halloween votes this year. Right. And all the voting options were kind of compiled. And that second vote options are live now. Um, if you're listening to this at the time of release, mm-hmm. um, and so go vote. But uh, all the vote options were compiled, and and inexplicably, and I didn't understand why for like for like three days. And I don't know if you were like intentionally a little coy about it or like what was going. But you're like, nah, I just don't know if we should do two, like. I'm still not sure we should, but we we are. We should just do one. And I was like, well, where is this coming from? Because we always do two. We always do two Christmas ones. Like, like, and I wasn't really, you're just like, "Ah, I just don't know. I think we should should, should just do one. And, and I wasn't really getting like, I wasn't getting anything that like made a lot of sense to me. Right. Like I wasn't like, you know, give, give me, give me a solid reason. And then like, maybe I'll understand where this, but you're just like, ah, we shouldn't shouldn't do two. And I'm like, well, what are you talking about? And I'm like, well, so which ones would you remove? And you were like, uh, I would remove those four. And not only were they my four, (laughs) but they were also clearly the more. Oh yeah. Proper horror films. And I was like, uh, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh, I understand. So you just don't like these four vote options because they're upsetting and <laughs> scary and you don't want to do them. And and you basically confirm that. You're like, ah, like I don't know. I don't, you know, I don't know. Absolutely. And, uh, and we won. We won, my friends. We're doing it anyways. Spooky season is upon us. My guess is that we'll be watching The Exorcist. That is my guess. We'll find out. We'll which we'll would be exciting because it is like one of the most iconic horror films of all time. Mm. Right? Yeah. 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 You're excited. Don't lie. You're excited. <sighs> You're excited. You'll be sitting there with a ball of a bowl of popcorn and a catheter so that <sighs> when there's a jump scare, you don't have a mess to clean up. Nothing says a good time like a bowl of popcorn and a catheter. And a catheter. 